Welcome to a Stonewall's Perspective Podcast. We're on a mission to see lives changed by the gospel, one life at a time. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of a Stonewall's Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Stone. In today's episode, I have another special guest with me. He is the young adult pastor at Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri. Please welcome Luke Crabb. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, of course. I'm glad to have you. So today we are going to be talking about the parable of the wedding feast found in Matthew chapter 22. And the reason I chose this is because he came to my youth group and spoke and talked about this. And it was just a powerful sermon. And so that is what we're going to be discussing today. But before we do that, uh, could we hear just a little bit about you, your testimony, who you are and where you come from and kind of what you do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like you said, I'm a young adult pastor here in Lee Summit, um, which is kind of a trip, honestly, man. Like, I never would have imagined that I would be doing anything like this. And, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up. Um, just east of Lee Summit in a place called uh, Independence, which is pretty different than Lee Summit. And Independence is um, not quite as like churched. I mean, these two places are only 20 minutes away from each other, but Independence is very um, just different, uh, just a different demographic out there. Uh, so I grew up just really into sports. That was kind of my thing. I played baseball, actually, that was kind of my sport. I uh, love basketball as well, but baseball was the thing that I was able to go and play in college. Um, I was an atheist, actually, in college, and uh, really that was more so because of my pride than necessarily a scientific reason, but uh, just the idea of a God, man, really, it just cut up my pride because I didn't think that I needed a Savior. I didn't think that I needed a Lord in my life, uh, but I met this teammate of mine, and this teammate came up to me in the outfield during batting practice one day, awesome guy, and uh, he shared the gospel with me, which I had never really heard laid out like this, that you know, Jesus came, died on a cross for my sins, three days later he rises from the grave, and uh, this guy kind of just put it to me that blunt, which is crazy. Um, really one of the first or second times I met him, he shared that with me, but I watched his life, and it was... Uh, he just was unique, man. Like, he was a, a unique guy who, as I watched his life, like, his girlfriend would come into town to watch the games, and she'd get a hotel room. Like, I had never had a teammate who, who did that. I didn't really understand what was going on with all that. And he, mm-hmm. he didn't cuss. He didn't do certain things, which I just thought, oh, he's just a really nice guy. Well, a couple months go by, and uh, the girl I'm dating at the time, she ends up coming to Christ. So she's living with a girl, and her roommate leads her to Christ, which is, um, at this point, my pride is just getting poked at, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I'm so infuriated by the idea that, um, in my mind at the time, this make-believe God mm-hmm. is uh, taking away my girlfriend. And I don't like that. And uh, so, basically, she changes, man, and, and sort of the dy- dynamics in our relationship change very quickly. I mean, we, we don't, we're not having sex anymore. The things she's going to do, where she's spending her time, uh, they're, they're changing quickly, and I, and I don't like this. So what I did, uh, I bought a Bible at my campus bookstore in college and just started reading it. And uh, really what I set out to do was to disprove Christianity. And uh, so I would spend, you know, I wasn't like reading the Bible every day, but I, I mean, I treated it kind of like a class. Like mm-hmm. I would spend a couple hours a week studying the Bible to try and disprove it. 
after about six months of doing this, like sitting in my uh, the house I was living in, I ended up uh, coming to Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first time I ever read the gospel was a Saturday night. Like I, I'd read John 1 through 19, and I got to John 19, and I couldn't understand why they were crucifying Jesus other than, man, it, it just clicked. Like that veil was just removed from my eyes that I actually am a sinful person, and right. those men who are crucifying him, that's, that's me. And it just kind of clicked in my head for the first time. And I ended up uh, making a decision to follow Christ. And, uh, man, that was about five years ago now. And, uh, man, Jesus, he really has changed my life. That's amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. I'm now married to that girl, which mm -hmm. isn't everyone's story. But by God's grace, he was able to kind of redeem our relationship. And, um, yeah, man, it, it wasn't just a, a one-time thing. Like, God has really given me things that the world doesn't offer. Mm -hmm. And I never realized how much uh, that pride was really a cover-up for other things in my life. And, and, yeah, man, what Jesus has to offer is so much greater than what the world does. I'm, I'm just so thankful for him. So Amen. that's kind of my testimony, man. So excited to, to talk with you here over the next few minutes. Amen, so, me too. Yeah. So that, that was a powerful story. That's amazing. Uh, when did you start being the, the young adult pastor here at Abundant Life? Yeah, so I came on, um, I guess, two years ago. Pretty much my whole first year, uh, I wasn't a pastor. I was just a... I think my role was a young adult ministry leader, which mm -hmm. was kind of um, the path that I took. Instead of coming on as a pastor, I came on as a, a ministry leader. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of observed me for a while, and then about a year in, they made me a pastor. So I've been doing ministry vocationally for two years, mm -hmm. but pretty much right when I came to Christ, uh, not right away, but I think there was maybe like a six or seven month gap before I started mm -hmm. to do ministry, um, really just kind of doing ministry all the time after about seven months into following Christ. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's amazing. And you are actually like one of the greatest teachers of the Bible that I've ever listened to, to be honest. Um, and, and the way that you presented Matthew chapter 22 was just phenomenal. And so the wedding feast, this parable of the wedding feast, it's the wedding feast is a parable where Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God is open to everyone who accepts the invitation to come to Jesus. And so I'm just going to read... Uh, Matthew 22, 1 through 14, real quick. And it says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by the parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, fatted calf are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding, but they made light of it and went on their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, uh, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, des destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways. And as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come into here 
without a wedding garment, and he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called and few is chosen. And that's exactly what I just said. It's a parable about how Jesus is inviting us into the kingdom of God, and it's open to everyone who accepts the invitation for us to come unto him. Yeah, man. So uh, that's really kind to call me one of the best Bible teachers that <laughs> you've heard. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's really kind. But I'm just going to hop in, and I'll share just kind of what's going on, I guess, in this passage, and we'll just kind of dialogue about it. Right. Um, it really is crazy, and I think sometimes we approach um, parables in the Bible, and we think that these are things that um, they're in the Bible, but, you know, we kind of can all just have different interpretations of what they mean, and we don't really need to know what they actually mean. But uh, I don't believe that's true. I don't think God's the author of confusion. I think that there's a specific reason why Jesus is telling this parable. Um, so I'm just going to kind of to talk about what, what that means and, and what he's trying to get across. Um, I'm in a season of life right now where, for real, man, I'm going to weddings all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm 27 years old, so everybody my age is getting married right now. Like, I'm going to a wedding Friday. My wife's a wedding photographer, so, like, we were at weddings all the time, bro. Um, every weekend, she's doing one, or I'm at one. It, I've seen a lot of weddings, but no wedding has been better than, obviously, my own. Mm-hmm. Like, my own wedding with my wife was the best. And, and the reason why that is, man, it wasn't because of like our flowers. It wasn't, you know, the venue necessarily. Those things were great. And, and I love the people that were there, of course. But more than anything, man, like it was about the person that I was married to. Mm-hmm. It was about her. Right. That she was there. And it wasn't just um, that I chose her. Like, to be honest with you, man, I'm, I'm batting way out of my league. It's that she chose me. Like, and that's the crazy part. And I think Mm -hmm. that's important to set that up because God, and you notice at the end of this passage, there's a pretty strong statement that Jesus is making. He uses the word chosen. And and why I'm starting there is that God, he's chosen us and he's invited us to a wedding called heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. And I think the reason why we don't get excited about that invitation is um, we don't realize who's going to be there. Mm -hmm. We don't realize the magnitude of seeing Jesus for the first time. You know, it's one thing for me to go to this wedding Friday and, you know, like I'm officiating the wedding and I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. I've seen the venue. It's crazy, man. Yeah. But nothing's going to top my wedding with my wife because she was there. And nothing will top the wedding that we've been invited to that Jesus is talking about because Jesus will be there. Mm -hmm. So I would just say to, if you have a Bible or if you want to reference this, the, the first three verses, I think that, What's going on here, it's, it, it's an invitation that we've been extended, and it's important that we grasp it. Um, and what's going on here, Jesus, he's actually teaching parable, parables back-to-back in Matthew chapter 22, and he's teaching the Pharisees. And what we know about Pharisees is they're the ones who, uh, they studied the Bible. Um, they would have been at church often. They would have been the people who, man, they sat in the front row. They, maybe they took notes, um, but they would have been at the right place, but they wouldn't have grasped this invitation. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus, being fully God, fully man, he's understanding that these guys, the reason why Jesus asked questions isn't because he didn't know the answer, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is wild whenever you think about it. Jesus, he asks questions all the time. Not because he needs the answer. He knows the answer. He's trying to get you to realize things. So the reason why he's teaching the parable 
isn't because um, he just is talking to talk. He's trying to help you understand what you may be missing. Mm -hmm. And this is what he's trying to get them to see, that they think that heaven is about a place, but heaven is actually about a person, and that person is the guy who's actually telling the parable, mm -hmm. which is the irony of this. Yeah. Um, about a year ago, um, I got invited to this wedding, and uh, I, I played baseball, like I said, in college at the beginning when I was sharing my testimony. And it's pretty cool now because I know some guys who like play Major League Baseball, which is it's so cool. I wasn't that great. I just was lucky enough to play with some of these guys. Right. And uh, one of the guys, he got married last year, and you can imagine he isn't—he's not on your typical pastor's salary. Let's just say that he's making good money playing in the MLB, and uh, he's getting married to this girl. And I get the invite, and me and this guy—we're not like super close. Um, so I was pretty excited, but I was pretty excited about the venue, the stuff that's going to be there. Like, I'm excited for him, but I was more so like, I bet this wedding's about to be crazy. Right. On the other hand, I got this other invite from, like, my best friend. His name is Jared. I love Jared. That's my guy. Like, I'm so excited about this other wedding that I get from my buddy Jared. Um, and here's why, man. It's because of how well I know Jared. Like, that relationship that I have with Jared. And I think that's a picture of how we can view... Um, heaven. Mm -hmm. The reason why we don't get that excited about spending eternity in heaven is because we think it's about heaven. It's about Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's about who's going to be there. And uh, and the problem with the Pharisees, man, is that they're not grasping this invitation. Those first three verses to, to draw your attention to them. And it says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. So he's speaking to the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And in verse two, it says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. So that king is God who gave a wedding feast, the wedding feast is heaven, for his son, that's Jesus, and sent his servants. His servants is anyone who knows who Jesus is. He's sending his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. He's talking about people who are getting this invitation, say you got an invitation in the mail to a wedding, but they're not coming. Mm -hmm. It's kind of embarrassing, honestly. Like he's, and, and you'll see in the passage, and we'll get to that, he's getting frustrated. But... The problem is they don't, they're not grasping this invitation. And I think at times um, we think that we're going to overhype this. Like people have heard this before. This isn't like a new teaching that the reason of heaven is Jesus. And we can become numb to it. Um, I, I like to call it gospel amnesia. Mm -hmm. Like we've just become numb or we've forgotten the simple truth of this is it, that God loves us and he died for us. And if that isn't enough for us today, man, let's shut the audio equipment off and let's go home. You know what I mean? It's like, right. this is what it's about. If that simple truth isn't enough for you and me, then, man, I, I think that we're missing what's going on in the Bible. Mm -hmm. and, and if we don't understand who this God is, then we'll always feel like we're overhyping this simple truth that Jesus died on a cross and he's going to be the one in heaven. Yep. Anyway, my wife, or, or my mom, um, she's hilarious, man. I grew up in a family where... There's some characters, and uh, like a couple of Christmases ago, my mom, she wanted to do this Christmas light tour, and uh, she was hyping it all year, bro. She was like, she's like, hey, mark this on your calendar. This is coming up. Uh, we're doing this Christmas tour, this Christmas light tour. We're going to get on this bus. She's hyping it. So every, every time we saw her, man, She's saying, like, hey, is that on your calendar? Mm -hmm. Is this on your calendar? I'm yep. like, yes, Mom. We got, it. we got it on the calendar. Well, the thing comes around, and, bro. It's terrible. 
It was a dud. It was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. So, like, we're literally... So, you get on this bus, and you drive around these neighborhoods in Kansas City, and, bro, nobody's lights were on. We're just driving around on this bus that's cold. Nobody's lights are on. And my mom is in the back of this bus singing Jingle Bells, like, trying to, like, make it real hype. She's clapping, and... Um, and I, I just say, I share that story, man, because I think that we're going to overhype heaven. And my mom, like she, she overhyped this light thing all year long. She's, she's like, she's saying like, it's going to be amazing. There's going to be all this going on, but then we get there and it's a dud. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this fear at times in Christians that we're like overselling something that's going to under deliver. Mm-hmm. And man, in my experience, I've never overhyped Jesus and he's under delivered. Mm-hmm. It just maybe plays out a little bit different than what I thought it was going to. And, and this is what I would say. As a leader, which if you're a Christian, in my mind, you are a leader. Mm-hmm. There's no Christian who isn't a leader. If you're going to be a good leader, as long as your uh, perspective is earthly, man, you're going to be limited as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we just got to grasp this invitation, man, that Jesus is the reason for um, for the excitement about heaven. Right. So uh, Matthew 22, it goes on, and just verses 4 through 10, um, you'll kind of see this pattern of God, as Alex read, like he's sending out servants, but there's, an in, there, there's this invitation that they're carrying, and I'll just read parts of it. In verse 5, um, this is after they shared that invitation. It says, but they paid no attention and went off. So people have shared this invitation, but nobody paid attention. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business. So I think that we read the Bible sometimes we don't realize how much it applies today. Mm-hmm. But what's going on here is um, essentially they're sharing the gospel with someone, but they're saying they're too busy. Mm-hmm. Or they have other things going on or they're distracted about a business or maybe they're an influencer on Instagram or whatever your thing is, if it's TikTok, whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's like we are so distracted and that's what Matthew 22 verse 5 is saying. They paid no attention and they went off one to his farm, or one to his business, or one to his career, or whatever that thing is, another to his business. Verse 6, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Like this is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Like that's a promise for persecution for believers. Mm-hmm. We, the reality is it's in there. Yep. And throughout church history we see that. Um, verse 7, the king was angry. So God is angry, and he sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. That's a whole nother sermon. But mm-hmm. essentially what you're seeing there is that God, he is, he is part of him is wrath, and he is just, and he will make sure that justice reigns. Verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. He's saying, like, heaven, we, are, we got everything set, the table's set, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main road. So now he's saying, hey, go get whoever's willing to come and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. So theologians will read this. And there's some debate around, um, was this like the Jews? And then now he's saying, go after the Gentiles as well. Mm-hmm. Regardless of your interpretation here, no matter which way you cut this, which, yeah, there's an importance of understanding the passage to that degree. And I'm, I don't want to disqualify that. But regardless, the principle is this, is that you would share this invitation. And that's the second point that I just want to share about this is the servants, they're going out and like nobody's wanting to come. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I want to be bold in my faith. 
but no one ever like comes to Christ when I share. Mm-hmm. And I would just say that you're misunderstanding the point of evangelism or the point of sharing your faith. The point of sharing your faith isn't so that people will come to Christ. The point of sharing your faith is that you would share your faith in its obedience. And I think that we get it mixed up and we think that it's about us leading people to Christ and that's not what we see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. God is the one who has to change a man's heart and it's our job to share mm-hmm. and it is God's job to save. Yep. And, and I think that we get that twisted and we think that it's about what we do. Um, and I would just say this, if we're going to be used by God, we have to be focused servants of God. And, and that's what you see in this passage is that these people, they keep going out, these servants of God, they mm-hmm. keep going out. Uh, and what I found in this passage, it's pretty staggering. If you look at verse 13, if you read it in New King James or King James, it uses the word servant. Um, but I think you read it. Did yeah. you read in New King James? New King, yeah. Okay, so in verse 13, it uses servant. But the version that I read typically is New King James, or sometimes I'll use ESV. It uses the word attendant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is what I'm trying to get people to see here is that the words servant and attendant are interchangeable. And what I'm showing you is that the attendant to the wedding becomes a servant. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? That there's no attendance in the kingdom. Nobody just shows, there's only servants. Mm -hmm. Like there's no one who shows up to heaven and is kind of just hanging out. Mm -hmm. Like there's only servants who show up to heaven. Like no one who commits their life to Jesus. And I think that This is important, man, because this is biblical Christianity. No one who commits their life to Jesus is just going to be an attendant. Mm -hmm. They're going to go all in. No matter what their king demands, they will listen. And that's what you see, right? Mm -hmm. Like These guys know they're going out in the passage. They're going out. There's going to be persecution. They know it's going to be hard, but they're going in anyway. Why? Because they know who their Lord is. They know who their king is. And man, I think one of the things, and this might be a bunny trail, but it still connects in my head. This version of Christianity that we see in the Bible, think about Acts 9, the Saul conversion, Saul to Paul. It's not even actually when he becomes Paul. He becomes Paul on his own accord. Mm-hmm. He, he has two names. He, he's relating with uh, Gentiles whenever he becomes Paul. Yeah. He's Saul to relate with Jews. But anyway, at, in Acts 9, Jesus goes to a man named Ananias to wipe Jesus' eyes so he can see. And one of the things that he says, and we kind of just breeze past this in Acts 9, he says to him, um, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that just a Paul thing? Like, is that just Paul who's going to have to suffer, or is that all of us? I think it's all of us. And I think that we can read that, and we can think, well, that's just a one-off thing. But it's really not. Mm-hmm. Because here we're reading a parable that's kind of saying a similar thing. He's calling people to things that are going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And you think about Peter and John 20. So Peter and John 20, what's going on here is like, hey man, you're going to be crucified. Upside down. And I'm like, golly. <laughs> am, I, am I radical? Like, I don't know if you've ever felt that or if you're listening to this and if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're probably not just like a lukewarm Christian, I'm assuming, and you're probably trying to live out your faith, and there's probably that tension that you feel where maybe, man, am I just kind of too radical about my faith? And I would say that we are not radical at all. Mm-hmm. Like what you see in the Bible is people who, man, are really risking everything 
There's no such thing as Jesus calling people to comfortable things. Yep. And what I'm trying to get is to see in Matthew 22 is there's only servants in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. There are no attendants. You know, I think we've gotten way too comfortable in our faith. We're just sitting here in our chairs just waiting for other people to go and do it. Like, it doesn't matter if I do it. Other, other people will do it. And that's the reality of that is that's wrong mm -hmm. because we have been called to go and, and share our faith. I was talking to, to someone on Twitter, and she was like, we're not mandated to go and share our faith. And I was like, yeah, we were. Yeah, we are. And this right here, Matthew 22, is a perfect example of how we are called to go and share our faith with people, share Jesus, invite people to the wedding feast that is heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would just say, man, to that response, and man, the problem, and I think it's important for people who understand the Bible and just are pretty biblically literate like yourself, it's important that you posture yourself in this way, that when you interact with someone who maybe doesn't understand something like that, I think it's easy for us to become frustrated with that person. Mm -hmm. But man, we should really just become frustrated with sin itself. Right. Because that person has misunderstood the Bible because of someone else's sin, most likely. Someone else has taught them a version of Christianity that doesn't exist. Like Jesus, when he dies, he resurrects. He's on the earth for 40 more days before he goes back to heaven, right? So he comes out of the grave. There's a 40-day gap before he goes back to heaven. And we think that Matthew 28, 19 is the only time that he actually gives a great commission. It's five times. He gives one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So five different ways he gives a great commission. So imagine if, if you were all-knowing, and you knew right now, Alex, in 40 days you're going to be gone. You knew that. Mm -hmm. Imagine the things that you're saying the next 40 days, man, are the, like you would be saying the craziest things on this podcast. Right. But those things that you're saying are the things that you're going to be most passionate about. So Jesus is over and over and over again saying before he leaves earth, like go make disciples, go share this message. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just encourage people to, to look at those uh, great commission texts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and acts um and i'll, I'll just kind of wrap up with this i don't know where we're at on time but um in matthew 22 verses 11 to 14 um i would just say this is this is kind of how it wraps up and this is what jesus says uh, but when the king came came in to look at the guests so the king or god has now come into the wedding feast and he's looking at the guests he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. So this is like a detail. Anytime you see a detail in scripture, like something's up there. And it goes on and says, And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? So something's up with his wedding garment, right? So yeah. it says, this detail has now appeared twice. It says, And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Mm -hmm. uh, and what Jesus is trying to get people to see here is that you have to respond. You have to respond to this invitation that we've been given. And and I think that, I mean, it gets intense, right? Like, bind him hand and foot mm -hmm. and like that. That's one of them pieces of scripture. I think if I was like in a short time, like if I had 20 minutes to read the Bible and I read that, I know that's going to take some deep dive to understand what's going on there. Mm -hmm. So, 
basically what's going on here, it's, it's not fun to read, but God's desire is that all people would be at the wedding feast. Mm -hmm. That's why he sends the servants three times. I would say that's why maybe you're listening to this and you, you don't know the gospel, you don't understand it, maybe it's starting to click for you. It's why he's pursuing you. Like he wants every person to be in heaven. His desire isn't that people would get bound hand and foot and thrown into the outer darkness. That's right. not what he wants, but it's the reality. And I think you can read this passage and and I think what Jesus wants you to think about is the urgency of the mm -hmm. response. Right. That this is the reality. And man, I think about the people who won't be at this wedding. Like who is going to be that person that's not going to be at the wedding that you know? And here's the question. This is your response if you know Christ. How are you reaching out to that person? Mm -hmm. How are you sharing the gospel with that person? And are you praying for that person? Yep. The passage, it's, it's an invitation to respond to heaven. And I would just ask people, um, if they've responded to that invitation, by reaching out to their neighbors, their friends, their family that don't know Christ and sharing the gospel with them, because clearly we see in this passage that these servants, they're clearly going out and they're sharing with these people. And and I, I think you read this, and of course, let's address it. Why is the king kicking someone out? What's going on there? Um, and clearly that detail pops up twice. There's no wedding garment. That's the issue at hand. What, what's this wedding garment represent? And it's a picture of grace, mm -hmm. right? So that's the issue. There's no wedding garment on this person, meaning that no one gets into heaven without, without grace. grace. Mm -hmm. And no one will be able to get into this wedding without this garment. If you study this text and you study the, the history of Jewish culture, if you went to a king's wedding, you are given a wedding garment as you come in. Mm -hmm. You didn't even have to bring one. They're freely given. Right. So at the door, they're giving wedding garments away for free. This is literally a picture of the gospel. Mm -hmm. He's giving away free wedding garments that represent grace. And the gospel, gospel is the message of the garment. Jesus, he is the garment. Mm -hmm. And I would just, man, it, it's a beautiful piece of scripture that, um, that I think that we overlook. And, and I would just finish with this in this vein of invitations and weddings and all this. Um, there's this phrase that shows up. Like I said, I'm always getting wedding invitations, which I'm thankful for. Uh, it's not like I don't want to go to weddings, but I've just been to a lot of them. Um, but at the bottom of a wedding invitation, there's four letters that we see all the time, and it's RSVP. And in French, the, the phrase is, um, respond accordingly, please. And I would just say this, when you read Matthew 22, you have to ask yourself, have you responded accordingly? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, man, that, that is kind of my interpretation, a bridge interpretation of Matthew 22. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what, what right. I got on that. You know, and so I'm going to finish this off by, by, three, by saying three things. And, and so what we do about this parable, we share it with people. We, we tell others about the wedding feast, which is eternity with Christ. Don't talk about how good heaven is going to be. Talk about the reality that Christ will be there. Uh, a couple weeks before I got baptized, uh, Pastor Tashawn and Pastor Stephen were talking to me on the phone, and they were asking me, hey, if you could have the opportunity to be in heaven without Christ or be on earth with Christ, what would you choose? And I said, to be on earth with Christ because we will be 
with the person who saved our soul. And so that is the reality. Like, we will have Christ in heaven. That's all that matters is Jesus. The second thing is focus on it. Set your eyes on eternity with Christ because in the end, that is all that matters. Eternity matters. This world is passing away. The, the, the book of James says that life is but a vapor. It is here for a little bit, then gone after the next. And then the third thing is give God the glory for it. Give God the glory that you have been set free, that you have been redeemed, and that you can be able to go into this wedding feast. And give God the glory that other people can be as well. And so then I'll end with this. You, you said that there were five different mandates that Jesus gave us to go out and share the gospel. And I'm just going to read one of them. Acts 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. we got to share the gospel. we got to share this wedding feast with people. Sweet, man. Appreciate you, Alex, having me and, and uh, getting to share. So it's Thank awesome, you. man. Thank you for being on, Luke. I appreciate it. With that being said, that is going to come to an end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it was impactful. Please share it, like, and subscribe. With that being said, thank you all. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed. You can also check us out at Stonewall's Perspective on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the latest news. Stay anchored.